Good morning. This is Ohm. Time now, 10.50, Wednesday, October 30th, 2019. And I'm bringing you on brief tape delay, Ohmcast. And if you can access Ohmcast on my Facebook page, through uh, Spotify, I haven't been... Well, I, I did an Ohmcast somewhat recently, but it wasn't quality. I got a little sidetracked, and Ted, I know you're probably listening at some point. I don't want to <clears throat> um, disparage you in any way. You are my friend, and you are funny, but uh, it just it wasn't working out. You know, I had higher hopes. I thought we would be a, a, a comedic duo. We could maybe make something happen together on Omcast. And I don't know. That's not to say Omcast is going anywhere. Most likely it's not. But if you're listening now, any of my friends out there, I'm going to try to make an enjoyable Omcast for you. Discuss some things I'm reading, some thoughts I have, and I will not get into Trump or the uh, the current political environment. Um, I just won't get into it. I, I, that's my intention. You never know what will happen, though. Because when I start talking about different ideas and things I've read, you never know. You know, the connections. Connections are made. When Ohm's synapses start snapping and popping sometimes connections just happen you know and uh you know when the synapses are firing that makes me think of a great um line from a book i read a great book and i know i've mentioned it enlightenment now by stephen pinker and this is the one thing i remember that i thought was so good he said he was talking about governing because you know that's on my mind a lot politics but he said he was talking about the uh the practice of governance and why it's difficult and this makes total sense listeners he said a real society is comprised of hundreds of millions of social beings with with trillion synapse brains Pursuing their well-being while affecting others who are also pursuing their well-being in a complex network of externalities, both positive and negative, that are unprecedented in human history. And if you think that that's basically to say there's a lot of complexities and we're trying to rule it not rule it that's the bad we're trying to govern it you know with a lot of one size fits all policies there are hundreds of millions of social beings with trillion each with a trillion synapse this is a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of factors and uh a lot of variables, that's the word I was looking for. And I hate that. I get a little held up sometimes with my, uh, <clears throat> with, with, uh, another time I'm getting held up. I'm trying, my, um, lexicon. 
<laughs> All these words I'll try to remember. But anyway, I read a book speaking of, you know, brains working fast and slow and really digging into it. I read a, a biography of Albert Einstein and right off the bat, what kicked him off when he was like five years old, his dad gave him a compass. And when he saw that, the the magnetic field making something move, you know, that he was fascinated and that, that pulled him in, you know. And, and his thoughts on God and the fact that he didn't believe in miracles. He believed in God, he didn't believe in miracles. He believed that things could be, you could dig into things and you can understand them. And that is a miracle. Einstein was what could be considered a miracle. And I was thinking, the miracle, there's one miracle, and that is that we're alive. Everything else is just words and gift wrapping and images. The one miracle is that we're alive. Everything else, people, the popular thing now, it is what it is. All right, then don't call it anything else. If it is what it is, leave it at that. People don't even understand what they're saying. That's just like a popular one line. It is what it is. It's like, all right, then don't tell me it's a miracle. Don't tell me God is great. Don't tell me, you leave it as it is what it is. But you might say different things, whatever. Okay. So also in uh, Enlightenment Now, he talked about one of my, not my favorite philosophers, but everybody, most everybody's heard of Nietzsche, Friedrich Nietzsche. I like him. I've read a lot about him. He, he's very... He's very expressive. He's a thunderous writer. And uh, I just enjoy reading him. And he was saying how, you know, intellectuals love reading him and are so impressed. And a lot of it, I think it's just the way his name sounds. It's like people get very impressed with themselves for knowing and having read Nietzsche. That's not the case with me. I just enjoy things he's written. But my boy, Steven Pinker, who wrote about him, because he, he was, oh, I'm going to end up talking about Trump. He was talking about populism. And look in Europe what's happening with populism. And it's happening all around. I believe it's the death toll of populism. And as we can see, the walls are crumbling with Trump, which was inevitable. And I believe populism and the old guard is finally fading and making its death throes. But, uh, okay, if you can hear that, that's Max now bugging the shit out of me. Max, please, crate up. Crate up. Come on, buddy. There you go. Okay. Just put Max in his crate. He just, he's a great little guy, but he bugs the shit out of me sometimes. And I'm trying to, trying to do some Omcast. Okay. So anyway, so Nietzsche... You know, he didn't, and it's funny because he addressed that how Nietzsche didn't believe. Basically, he wasn't egalitarian. He liked to talk about the herd. And I kind of relate to that. So I kind of, because I am not, I'm not like bitter or like disparaging of the common man, but there are people are just caught up in such bullshit. And I should. Be realistic. I'm just lucky I get to read a lot because I got hurt bad in the car accident. 
So I read a lot. So I've introduced myself to a lot of things that most people don't introduce themselves to. And that's not their fault. They're just doing what they were programmed to do. Chase money, you know, drink, smoke, whatever, eat, do what you do, pornography, get a girlfriend, the wife, kids, sports. I like sports, but that's kind of like herd activities. And I think the the point that Pinky was trying to make is that intellectuals and artists look down on people who aren't, you know, quote, sophisticated like they are. And that's why they like Nietzsche, because Nietzsche talked about the herd, the herd animal, you know, who wasn't as sophisticated and, you know, artistic and lovely as the lovely people. Which I kind of, you know, I, I don't you know, resent intellectuals per se, but what I resent is the people who think they're fucking special, you know, because especially the ones who aren't. So some people are legitimately gifted and special, but the ones who aren't, like the posers, who like try to pretend they are, like buy a pair of glasses, buy a nice car, get a certain haircut, read a couple of things and start throwing around words, they, they are just whatever. I won't. I'll get angry. I won't talk. But they suck. Um. So my other per now another great philosopher and I and I presented this. A lot of my friends are Jewish, and and religion in general. A lot of, obviously Catholic. A lot of Christian people. I grew up Catholic. I'm not big on religion, and I like Bill Maher, but I think his approach towards, you know, irreligion, you know, he's very anti-religion, and I, I agree with a lot of what he says. What I don't appreciate is his approach. Now, he may pawn it off as he's a comedian, so he's trying to get laughs, but I would say that Bill Maher, you know, is probably as or more important to him to uh, represent a, a, a worthwhile message and ha- you know maybe change your mind or two rather than just make people angry and bitter and have the people who already agree with you laugh and say, yeah, Bill, that's funny. What's the po- I just think that's kind of pointless. We already know he's funny. You know, we are the people who agree with you already agree with you. The people who you're trying to embarrass, you're just gonna make them dig in more. What I now I believe Steve Pink will represent the facts in a much more, you know, reasonable way that look at like religion has been used to shape the moral foundation of society. And it has done a lot of good things. However, it's created a lot of tribalism and much more division than cohesion. People hate each other without knowing anything other than their religion. That the religion, just so people know not to kill, not to steal, not to cover their neighbor's wife. That's worth having people hate other people just for being a different religion. That makes no sense. So you're not going to convince me that there are more good things than negative things about religion. Anything that has people, you know, get into their tribal 
mindset and their you know us against them mindset is not good for anything. Now, Spinoza, no, that's not Spinoza was Jewish, but he was excommunicated by the Jews because you know what he said about God. Now his belief in God was just too deep. It was too special for for the Pharisees to handle. Kind of like Jesus Christ, who if you think about it, he was Jewish also. And if I heard one scholar say that the Jews appreciate Jesus Christ as a wonderful prophet, but that's not the impression I get. I get that they almost, he was Jewish, but Jewish people resent him because other people take them up as his Messiah and a dividing line was drawn. And I don't get the impression that children, young children learn to appreciate and respect and read and learn from Jesus Christ. I don't think that happens because of tribalism, because of dividing lines. Now, I don't think religion is a good idea. But anyway, I can talk about Einstein who was, who was incredible. And he also didn't believe in the na- countries and nations and states. He believed you know, we needed to have a one world government because of the atomic bomb. You know, he thought there was going to be nuclear annihilation. Now, just because that's never happened, neither nuclear annihilation nor one world, not a total government, but an agreement for defense. A federal, federal uh, institution, you could say, that would help, you know, instill order, maintain order without people going to the bomb. Now, just because neither nuclear annihilation has happened yet, nor one world, you know, institution has happened either, doesn't mean Einstein wasn't correct. Because a lot of his theories and a lot of his, uh, you know, hypotheses were proved correct after, you know, by experimentation. I, I don't think too much of what he came up with, you know, officially was incorrect. So I don't think that theory is necessarily incorrect. We just haven't evolved to that point yet as a world as a species because he if I had could think of one man's mind that was the closest to you know he was so humble he was funny you know he and he was a rebel and I was gonna say the mind of God but another guy who I read about was Leonardo da Vinci and uh you know he and he helped broaden my horizons. All these books helped broaden my horizons, which I didn't realize is very possible from reading books because it seems like a shortcut. And in some ways it is because you're given your, well, I feel I was given my identity as a youngster, you know, when I was a youngster. Now, my appreciation, I think it's just for having an open mind. I'm learning, you know, now about art and more about music. I'm listening to different types of music, um, appreciating different types of art, learning about art, 
you know, and in enlightenment, I talked about humanities and the uh, <clears throat> the rivalry between humanities and science and between religion and science and it's like it doesn't have to be you know religion or science it's it's like religion or being rational really there's more than just science to present logic and reason but Leonardo da Vinci I got a copy of The Last Supper and uh, and, you know it's interesting to me because I, I read uh, you know, about Jesus Christ and the source. And I grew up, you know, being taught a lot about that, not really ever paying attention. I pay attention to it a lot more now. But I love that painting. I, I love a lot of Leonardo da Vinci's paintings, you know, and it's amazing because he was so committed. He, now, between him and Einstein, the curiosity is just mesmerizing he would literally um dissect cadavers to learn about muscles and tendons and facials look at the mona lisa how could somebody be so masterful he understood and he you know it's he was like the first ophthalmologist this is in the renaissance and he's learning things about the eyes he learned things about a lot of different concepts that weren't revisited for centuries. Um, I forget there was something about the teeth. I, I read it a while ago, but the, that was like he discovered before dentistry even touched upon it. But anyway, I've been going for like 20 minutes now. Oh, I wanted to mention... um. I uh, I was teaching social studies. I substitute teacher. I was teaching social studies one day, and we were doing the second industrial revolution. And that, and I'm reading another book now called The Code. It's all about the tech revolution, and it really started after World War Two. Um, you know, after the H-bomb and all the defense spending started. Well, anyway, I could get into that. And it started with sil- the discovery of s- silicon by a guy named Shockley. And that, and that just really propelled the whole deal. But I'm learning a lot about Silicon Valley and the evolution of, you know, the tech revolution. But I was learning about, you know, the, the initial... There was steam the initial industrial revolution, then the second industrial revolution with the automobile and electricity. And now I'm learning about, which is in my lifetime. I was born in 1975. And I mean, Silicon, I think, started going like that. The computer stuff really started going um, early 60s when... uh, you know, the end of Eisenhower and then Kennedy trying to get us to the moon, the moonshot, that got a lot of technology really happened. But, it, and then I was born in 1975, and I haven't gotten that far yet, but you have MIT on the East Coast, Stanford on the West Coast, learning a lot about Stanford, the research part, and how that was a model for the rest of the world. And uh, I also want to mention that, uh, I got a call from the library. I'm gonna be a literacy tutor. They got a student for me who wants to uh, 
be trained for citizenship. I'm pretty psyched for that. I trained how to be a literacy tutor, and now I'm going to help tutor this guy become a U.S. citizen, which I got a little flack for. Um, you know, one of my buddies who lives upstate, he's a teacher, he's like, you, I told him, I was like, you should be helping veterans, they would love you, and it's like, yeah, but I kind of want to be, a, you know, teach, have, spend time volunteering with a purpose, you know, if I hung out with veterans, because I'm sober, if I hung out with veterans and we started laughing and having a good time, you know, I'm, I could risk getting a quarter keg and an ounce of weed, you know, hanging out with the veterans. If I go to the library and tutor for citizenship, I, I'll be able to put myself and my mind more to practical use. So I'm looking forward to doing that. But I'm staying pretty busy, and I love Homecast. It's good to be back. And I really, I really didn't touch upon Trump. Not much other than to say the walls are coming down. You know, or in his disparaging the veteran. You know, I think he's a five deferment clown, never went to Vietnam, bone spurs, and and you Trump supporters love him? Come on. And and the guy who has shrapnel, a veteran, you know, who's trying to protect the country? Come on, please. Okay, I had to get that in. Om, Om loves you.